0: Everyone, I'm Laura Adams, and this is the Money Girl Podcast, where my mission is to help you live rich and love the journey. I'm grateful that you're here, and I want to thank you for downloading the show. This is a really important episode. It's about what to do when moving in together and how to avoid financial mistakes that couples often make. Living with a romantic partner is a very big step emotionally, legally, and financially. No matter if you just moved in together, you're thinking about it, or you got engaged or married, money is a leading cause of disagreement for couples. So even if you're single right now and you're not dating, or you're on the other end of the spectrum like I am and you've been married for decades, this episode will help you think about big-time mistakes to avoid with your partner. So we're going to talk about how to set important expectations and how to avoid common financial mistakes that could really trip up your relationship. Again, no matter if you're in the beginning of that relationship or you've been together for a long time, I'll cover how to think about key questions such as how to split bills, whether you should combine finances, and if you need a relationship agreement. This is episode number 522, Four Financial Mistakes Couples Make When Moving In Together. Communication is the cornerstone of a successful relationship. There's no getting around that. But when it comes to money, many couples don't talk about it until after they're already in financial trouble or they've got some serious gripes. So let's start with the details about the four major financial mistakes that I want you to avoid. Number one, not having a relationship agreement. While it may not seem very romantic, Having a formal relationship or cohabitation agreement can be a good way to make sure that you and your partner are on the same page. Couples who plan to marry can create a prenuptial agreement or prenup for short. Many couples who don't plan to get married will opt for a no-nup. It's a similar document that explains how your assets and debts will be handled if your union ends. Both. Prenups and no-nups can include a variety of issues like who will pay what bills, who's responsible for certain household chores. They can also outline what will happen to your home, leases, pets, and financial accounts if you break up, or if one of you needs to relocate for work, or if one of you gets sick or dies. Having clarity on these what-if questions and potential future financial and legal issues is especially important when you're not married and you buy a home together or you plan to have kids together. Unmarried couples don't get as many legal protections as married couples, so it's even more important to have key issues in writing, including a simple will and an estate plan, when you don't plan to tie the knot. My husband and I do not have a prenuptial agreement. I think we've been able to communicate so well about financial issues that it's never really been an issue. I've always been a believer in combining everything just 100% with my husband. I know other people don't share that same belief. So if you've got reservations about your financial situation you know, you might want to talk about what a prenup could do for you. I'm not saying that every couple needs a prenup or a no-nup, but if you're at all concerned about combining your financial lives, it may be something that you want to look into together. If you don't take the time to discuss the day-to-day issues of living together, I think it's a missed opportunity to make sure that moving in together is actually a good idea in the first place, and to set your relationship up for future success. And if you do end up parting ways, having an upfront agreement allows you to break up in a thoughtful and caring way. Having formal agreements may seem like a lot of work now, but they can avoid a lot of stress in the future. You can create a relationship agreement from scratch or use a template at a DIY site like LegalZoom or Rocket Lawyer. I'll put links to these resources in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. Okay, mistake number two, not creating a spending plan. How you're going to share expenses, such as housing, utilities, insurance, and food can be tricky it might seem like splitting all costs right down the middle is the best option. But dividing what you pay by percentage may be fairer if one of you earns significantly less than the other. Couples also need to consider if they should merge their personal finances by creating joint accounts like Checking, savings, and credit cards that are in both of your names. Mingling money is a really big step because it does have far reaching legal consequences and it affects both of your credit scores. I believe that when you're in a committed relationship, all your financial decisions should be discussed and shared equally. It doesn't matter if only one person works or if one person earns much more than the other. You should decide as a couple how to budget, how to save, how to prioritize debt, whether to buy a home, and so on. As I mentioned, my husband and I unite everything. And I'll tell you, one benefit of that is it does make managing money a whole lot easier because you've got fewer accounts and administrative tasks to handle. Plus, working as a team is the best way to overcome challenges and to accomplish your shared long-term financial goals. But the downside to tying a financial knot with someone is that untwisting it can be a real nightmare if the relationship ends. Joint mortgages, credit cards, and bank accounts can be very difficult to separate, even with a formal court-ordered divorce decree. Another problem is that some couples may never agree on certain issues, like how to create a spending plan or how much debt they should carry. Maybe one person is a diehard saver and the other a wild-eyed spender. Sometimes financial opposites attract. If you're certain that your financial philosophies will never jive, it may be wise to split up your finances or at least a portion of them. One option is to have joint checking and savings accounts, but to also have individual accounts. It's kind of a yours, mine, and ours approach, where one or both people contribute to the family pool, but each maintains a separate account to manage themselves without the other person looking over their shoulder. Mistake number three that I see couples make is not communicating about finances on a regular basis. Hey there! I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business. Economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, back to mistake number three, which is not communicating about finances on a regular basis. Communicating regularly and honestly about money is the best way to improve your financial health and stay on the right path. I recommend that you set a stress-free time to talk on a weekly or monthly basis about following a spending plan, paying bills and debts, and your financial goals. Maybe it's while you take a walk or go out for a nice dinner together once a month. If one partner brings financial troubles to a relationship, he or she may want to hide their money mess. And I think this can be especially true if the other person is doing great, financially speaking. After all, who wants to be judged? And if you're the one with the money mess, remember that a serious relationship or marriage is a true partnership. If you're holding back information about income or debts, that's the same as lying. When you're in a committed relationship, I recommend putting every detail about your finances on the table. Your significant other should know how much you earn, the taxes you pay, the balance of every debt, bank account, and investment that's in your name. I mean, really, lay it all out there. If talking about money with your partner seems too difficult, or it causes you to end up in an argument every single time, you may need to speak with a couple's counselor for help. Financial troubles only get worse over time if you don't tackle them as a team. And the last mistake to avoid, number four, is... Not setting financial goals together. Do you see a theme here? It's all about the togetherness. While talking about money and potential problems is certainly the first step couples should take when moving in together, you should also set financial goals together. For instance, if one of you dreams about retiring early to sail around the world and the other wants to work as long as possible and then settle in the mountains, you're going to need to reconcile those differences. And I think the earlier you know that, the better. If you have major differences in how you handle money or how you see your financial future, don't ever think that by moving in together or getting married that you can change the other person. Someone who is reckless with their finances or doesn't care about paying bills on time is not likely to change their tune very quickly, if ever. Many people need help creating a financial plan, so don't hesitate to use a professional such as a fee only financial advisor. Check out sites like the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors at napfa.org or the Certified Financial Planner Board at cfp.net to find one. And again, these resources will be in the show notes in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. When you're a committed couple, It's smart to strategize and organize your life in unison. You can accomplish much more together than you ever could apart. To learn more about couples' finances, you might want to see a previous podcast, which is episode 462, called Six Tips to Manage Money as a New Couple. And if you're looking for older podcast episodes that are not still in the podcast feed in iTunes or wherever you get your shows... Simply go to the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. That's where you'll find the full archive of all the shows along with all of the show notes. Keep listening, learning, and leveraging your resources to grow richer every single day. One way is to join my private Facebook group called Dominate Your Dollars. Text DOLLARS, D-O-L-L-A-R-S, to the number 33444. Also subscribe to my weekly email. To get that, all you have to do is text the phrase get updates" with no space, get updates" to that same number, 33444. Each week I send out a free short email filled with tips, tools, and recommendations that I think you'll enjoy. And speaking of enjoying, if you're enjoying the show, please let me know by subscribing. It's free to do. And while you do it, take a minute to submit a quick five-star review on iTunes. I read all of them. If you've submitted a review, thank you. It means so much to me. And by the way, if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions for future show topics, I always love to hear them. You can reach me on my contact page at lauradadams.com or on Twitter at Laura Adams. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life.